As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful 
herbal face food for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I have an old friend from New York with me today, one of the finest teachers of our time. Her name is Terry Cole. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks, Elena. I'm super psyched to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you. I'm going to uh, introduce you to my listener first briefly. You're a licensed psychotherapist. You are a global relationship and empowerment expert for over two decades. You have worked with a diverse group of clients, including everyone from stay-at-home moms to celebrities, Fortune 500 CEOs. You, You do, I can attest to this, you have a gift for making complex psychological concepts accessible and actionable so that we, clients and students, can achieve sustainable change in our lives. You are inspiring about a quarter of a million people weekly through blogs, social media, signature courses. You've got a really popular podcast called The Terry Cole Show. And we're talking today because you are the author of Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. It's an awesome book. It's super relevant. It's accessible. It's easy to read. And On page 17, I want to start with this question. You write that ineffective communication skills lead to weak or disordered boundary skills. This is completely the case in everyone's life, but I know it is in my life. And one of the most important things that I've done in my 40s was to get very good at communicating. Why? The question is, why is the idea of communicating our own boundaries so frightening to us? Well, part of it is it's it's what we learned, right, growing up. So you think about the messaging, especially if you were raised as a woman, there was a lot of messaging around, at least in my own life, you know, being a good girl, don't be a troublemaker, you know, turn that frown around. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So all of those things teach us to not talk true if someone else won't like it, if it will rock the boat, Right. It's like our job kind of to make sure that everyone else is really comfortable. And of course, that doesn't work for a long-term strategy, but that's part of it. And we have so much fear of being rejected, being judged. Um, So I think it's a combination of what we learned growing up. Like, what is it to be a good woman? You know, we're supposed to be incredibly, most of us really were raised and praised for being self-abandoning codependents. Like, that's what happened in most of the upbringings, at least for the women in my crew. Self-abandoning codependence. Mm-hmm. Good God. <laughs> can, you, can you teach my listener and me your definition of codependency? I'm just learning about this now. It was not an, uh, not an issue for me. For some weird reason, I was left off that, um, that chain. But I want to understand it because I have people who are codependents around me, and it's helpful for me to hear how, peop- how different people define it. Sure. 
I define it as being overly invested in the feeling states, the decisions, the outcomes, the circumstances of the people in our lives to the detriment of our own either internal peace, our physical well-being, our financial well-being, meaning we feel overly responsible to sort of fix, to take care of what's happening in someone else's life. And I think that the way that if you're listening and you're like, I'm not sure, then I would say it's always um, helpful to check your own level of urgency when something happens in the life of someone that you care about. Because as lovers and mothers and all, all the things that we are, of course, we're invested in the happiness and the lives of the people we care about, obviously, that's being in relationships. But if the urgency factor, if it feels like something bad happening to your partner or to your best friend, if that really feels like it's happening to you and you feel that level of responsibility to fix or come up with a solution for it, that is being codependently attached in that relationship. That is a very profound little benchmark for me, for folks to see the level of urgency that you have when something goes wrong with somebody else. So I just want to put a highlighter on that. Thank you for that. I have a question here from page 28. Anytime you, this is a quote from the book, anytime you opt for being fake nice instead of being truthful, you're setting yourself up for unsatisfactory experiences, resentment, and the loneliness of not being authentically known. What would you say to my listener who may find him or herself being habitually fake nice? Well, you're not alone. <laughs> I understand you. And look at it through the frame of saying yes when you want to say no. So much of the time we think we're being nice, right? We, we don't want the other person to be upset with us. And the reality is, Saying yes when you want to say no, what we're really doing, besides just being dishonest, is that we're blocking those people in our life from knowing us. And so the way that I describe and the way that I teach about boundaries, because it can be overwhelming and seem very confusing, like, what does it even mean? We have all these areas we need boundaries, emotional and physical and spiritual and psychological, material, right? There's all of these things. So think about it this way, that you knowing your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, and then having the capability of sharing those when you so choose. That is having healthy boundaries and being able to assert healthy boundaries. So now we can boil it down to something that's really doable. So your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, like the things that are the non-negotiables in your life. Preferences, desires, limits. And deal breakers. Deal breakers. Listener, grab a pen and write this down. I think this is actually really important for all of us. Preferences, desires, limits, deal breakers. And let this be a running list. You don't have to do this all right now, but start right now while you're listening to Terry because her intent is so clear and in our space as you're listening that you can't help but feed off of this. Um, what are your preferences with regards to this person or that person? What are your desires? What are your limits? And what are the things that are absolutely non-negotiable? Exactly. And, and here's the thing with your preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers. You're the only person 
who can dictate what those are. You're the only person who knows what they are. And so I feel like we've been given corrupted information about how to be in relationships where it seems like we should be easy, quote unquote. And I'm not sure how or when having a preference meant becoming difficult, but what you're really doing, because I think the, you know, Elena, I think sometimes we we look at establishing boundaries as trying to control another person, trying to use our boundary to like get what we want, quote unquote. And that's really not it because I encourage listeners to share your preferences, your limits, your desires, and your deal breakers as often as possible, especially with the people who really matter to you, right? We become discerning. We don't need to tell all of our preferences to our boss, let's say, because that wouldn't be appropriate. But what you're doing is you're allowing the other person to know you because it's those subtleties, those small things about us. Every one of those things are really the things that make up who you are uniquely like how you are uniquely you. And so sometimes we share our preferences. That doesn't mean our partner or our best friend always acquiesces to what we want. But every bit of information that you share about yourself, your healing and your self-confidence comes from the asking for what you want, comes from the sharing yourself, honestly, with people. And again, I'm not saying we do this with every person. Like there's a whole way in the book that I break it down as to, you know, who who are the people? Not everyone should have, you know, a front row seat, right? Not everyone should be in your VIP section, as I call it. I loved that. I really appreciated that. I had a, my boundaries were a little fuzzy around that. And I really appreciated that. But understanding, you know, Elena, I think that because if you if you have the disease to please, if you are a people pleaser by nature and maybe more of a chameleon with your boundaries or more of a peacekeeper or a pushover, let's say, it's like we almost feel like anyone who wants to be in our VIP section, so to speak, we almost feel like we need to let them in. And my my concept, and of course it's just a concept I created to hopefully make this more accessible, is that realize that you make the guest list. You're the only bouncer. You're the person putting up the rope. So if your third cousin once removed, it really thinks that you're best friends and is insisting that they come to your bachelorette party, let's just say, but you really don't want them there. This is where we have to talk true. Meaning let's not let third cousin Betty think that she's in your front row or that she's your best friend. If that's not the way you feel, and listen, I know from whence I speak, I start the book by by sharing you know, my experience that I was a bridesmaid in my 20s eight times and definitely should have said no to four of those experiences, but couldn't. In, uh, we're on page 55 right now. It's a perfect segue. You introduce a concept called high-functioning codependent, and you say that these kinds of people often feel compelled to offer advice, fix things, la la You write that what this behavior is really saying is that your pain is causing me pain, so I'll tell you what to do in an effort to stop feeling this pain. And it's it's like such a, wow, it's just so convoluted and layered. I do have this, this bone, and I've mitigated it over the last, I would say, five years. I've noticed that that happens with me because I have a friend who does it a lot. So I was able to see it in myself as well and laugh about it. 
so many of the of the folks who will listen to this, our listener right now, is probably involved in a in a profession that helps others by nature. Um, and how how can we, my listener and me, discern the difference between this sort of behavior, this high functioning codependency, where I'm fixing things because I don't want to feel uncomfortable, and just a genuine desire to serve? Well, part of it is knowing what is your side of the street and what isn't. And so when we are teaching, let's say, then it's appropriate for if someone asks a question, they're literally paying for your expertise. So we weigh in on those things. And yet in our personal lives and our personal relationships, we have to get really clear that it's an illusion that we know what someone else should do. And I found this out really the hard way in my 20s, my late 20s, where I have one of my my siblings was always in a terrible abusive relationship, like just was always in a really rough situation. And I was always trying to quote unquote, save her, fix her, help her move out, give her money, get a lawyer, all the things. And finally, my therapist said to me, Terry, what makes you think that you know what Jenna needs to learn in this lifetime? And I was like, well, I don't know, Ruth, but I think we can agree that she doesn't need to learn it being in in this horrible relationship with this guy doing crack and whatever. And she said, no, I can't agree with that because I have no idea what she needs to learn. But here's the thing. Neither do you. And I'm like, so I'm supposed to not do anything. And she's like, "Uh, you can be supportive. And if it's too painful while she's actively in an abusive relationship, tell the truth and step back. And tell her that you love her and whatever. So I did, but I felt on the hook to fix my sister's quote unquote problems. She wasn't necessarily asking me to, but it was exactly that thing. And that was where I learned it. My therapist said, do you know what's really going on? Your sister's dumpster fire of a life. You know, you've worked for two decades to create a harmonious life. You've been sober for whatever, all the things. And her life is really messing with your internal peace. You just want your peace back. <laughs> and that you know, st- struck me as being very true. Right. I do have a great friend who comes to mind right now who has disappeared from my life. She met a man. She's sort of, I think he's a grifter, mm. actually. Um, and it's just a matter of time, really, before the call I got last summer comes back again, which was, oh my God, he's abusive. I need to get out of this. You know, I'm leaving him and I'm going to come visit you. Only to find two weeks later that she was not coming to visit and she was going back to him. She won't call. She won't talk to me anymore. And this is a similar, I think it's a similar vibe where I actually feel pain. Missing her, I feel the the fear of her about to be robbed, basically, mm. over the course of time in little increments. And I can't do anything about it. And I had to recently realize just what you said, that I have to let go of this. I have to tell her that I love her, make myself available, but I can't fix it. Right. And also, you could you can choose. Like, I couldn't stay in really close contact with my sister while she was in an abusive situation and wanting to talk about it because she wasn't changing anything. Like, I felt like I was being part of the problem rather than the solution because my therapist was like, you know, when you get off the phone with her, you cry for two days and she feels relieved, but she needs those feelings to basically drive, to get to her bottom and drive her own self-saving behavior. 
And I was like, wow, not only am I not helping, which is what I thought I was doing, but I may even be prolonging this painful crap. And when I did step back from my sister and said, hey, if and when you're really ready to go, you know, I'm still your person. And about nine months later, she was like, and I'm ready now. I was like, fantastic. And she got out, got sober. I let her live in this little teeny lake house that Vic and I had. We winterized it for her, let her get on her feet. And that was decades ago. So the the end of the story for me was that having healthy boundaries, and it was so incredibly painful in my young life to do that, it really showed me that I wasn't responsible. And that was the biggest relief in my life because I literally, I actually thought it was my responsibility. I didn't understand about emotional boundaries. I didn't understand any of that. And it felt, I felt so guilty and all of those things. But when my therapist sort of gave me permission, she's like, Terry, this is, you can't do this. It's not possible for you to quote unquote, save your sister. And then she saved herself, you know? I do. It's, uh, it's really helpful. I can just reach out to my friend and just let her know that I'm here if that ever happens again. And it's clear that you don't, she doesn't want to talk to me otherwise. And that's okay. And I can stop thinking about it and stop worrying about her and just let that sort of pass. Yeah, it really does energetically also let you off the hook. It's like a, it's like a bless yes. and release where you say what you need to say, tell the truth. Hey, if you need me, if you want to change your situation at any point, I'm here. I love you. Just know that. And that can literally be it because knowing the truth is that you can't change it and that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It's like my sister wasn't ready until she was ready. And then when she was, I was able to be there in a way that was appropriate, that was healthy, and that was effective. And that is love. Like, not that I know better than you do what you should do in your life. Like she needed to reach whatever that bottom was. And anyone in the rooms or anyone who's had, you know, addiction experience, you know that you're not ready until you're ready. Has to be her bottom, not mine or not, not any other sort of fabricated yep. need. Exactly. So that brings me to the next question. Um, I marked page 175. Why is respecting the boundaries of others so important in the effort of maintaining our own? Well, part of it is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Exactly what we were just talking about is really violating the boundaries of others when we think we know what they should be doing. And so, and if you've been a people pleaser in your life, if you've, you know, gone along with the program, right? Gone along to get along, let's say, not trying not to make waves, making lots of sacrifices for other people. When someone says no to us, and I found this to be true in my 20s when I was such a people pleaser in my early 20s, that if someone had the gall to have a healthy boundary with me, I was so pissed. <laughs> I was like, you have some nerve, Betty, saying no to me after everything I've done for you that I didn't want to do. You know? Mm, totally. So it, it's not just, I think a lot of times people think our boundaries are all about saying no, rejecting people, confrontation, punching people in the face verbally, all of those things. And that's just, that's just fear telling us that that's what it is. In reality, it's making room to have authentic relationships. So when I'm not jumping to, instead of saying to my friend, I think you should do this, I say, what do you think you should do? 
Is there, would you like to say more about that? What does your gut say? I have no doubt you'll figure it out, right? I'm here to listen. I don't know what to say, but I'm here to listen or whatever, you know? It's answering a question with a question that leads the person to sort themselves out before we try and jump in and be the hero. Right, because the tr- that's respecting. You know, one, one of my friends who has since passed away, he was one of the um, founders of the Grief Recovery Institute in California, Russell Friedman. Years ago, he had said to me, um, giving other people unasked for advice or criticism robs them of their dignity. Wow, that's chilling. I was like, wow, I want to stop doing that right now. <laughs> wow. I've seen it done many times. I've done it myself, but less so in the in the last years, last decade, I would say. But I've seen it done, and it does. There is It's a funny thing when you see somebody giving somebody else advice and you're just observing on the side. It, it, since you're, you've said that, I can actually discern the energetic sort of depletion of dignity when somebody does that. It's it's so interesting. I see it, you know, sometimes with my husband. You know, we've been together 24 years. We have grown children. And I try so hard not to, you know, I'm like, okay, but, you know, that's his relationship with the kids where he'll be trying to, you know, one of my sons, you know, this is a couple months ago, one of, one of our kids was talking about his sadness, about getting, splitting from his wife and about, you know, the kids, even though it's much better and healthier, he's just sad right? It didn't work. And immediately, you know, Vic was like, and you, but you're, those kids are lucky because you're an amazing dad. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, my hand up. I was like, babe, babe, babe. <laughs> and then I just said, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> How about it sucks? You're sad and it sucks and there's no need to fix it right now because there's no fixing it. He'll process it. He's in therapy. He knows. Usually we don't do joint <laughs> conversations. It's usually solo. Oh, I see that it would, which would keep things very simple. But that is, it's a great thing you pointed out to him. And I just learned something from it, which is, you know, there's no need to ameliorate. Mm -mm. You can just, things can just suck and that can, that can be okay for a while. I'll always say, I'm sorry, babe. You know, like, yeah, it blows. It does. Blows. That's really helpful. (laughs) I'm glad you shared that. It's sort of tangential, but sort of not. Because again, the needing to, you know, force people to have like, to be the silver lining detective, right? Where you're like, but here's the good side. It's almost like the hyper positivity that sometimes we see in the online world of, you know, self-help and spirituality, where hyper positivity is, it's just as, it's just denial in a different form. And it's also trampling on someone else's boundaries. So if someone says something to you, this person, I got diagnosed with something, I did this, I did that. Those are all the, the way, those are all circumstances where it is so easy to get activated to want to fix or to say it's not that bad or that you had the same situation and it worked out fine, you know? And what we're really doing in every one of those, even if our heart is in the right place, we are centering the other person's experience on us. Mm. Mm. You don't need to know what to say, you know, like you don't have to have the answers and just having the courage to be with someone in their diagnosis or in their pain, even simply saying, I don't know what to say right now, but I'm here for all of it. Hmm. Brings me back to early in the 
like sort of mid-2020 Black Lives Matter movement when I think I made that mistake a few times with friends of color where I tried to fix things and it was really just, this fucking sucks. You know, and that's what should be said and that's what's true. Yeah, but I'm here or I want to learn or I'm here to listen. I love you. I care that you're in pain. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. When it comes, last question, when it comes to our willingness to sort of master our boundaries, what are some of the first things that you would say to me or to somebody who is listening, who feels that in this particular arena of their lives, the boundaries are really cloudy and blurry? What's what's kind of the first step? Well, most of the time we have, um, like, there's a desire to sort of look out and be like, well, who are the boundary bullies in my life? Or, you know, where do I feel trampled on, let's say. I always think it's best to start by looking in and saying, okay, so where is it? Like, we can keep it super simple and just say, where is it where I find myself saying yes when I would really rather say no? Or where is it that I am giving an insta or an auto yes rather than giving myself time and space? to make a decision. So when I'm teaching this, I always teach that if you're someone who you generally say yes, because you feel that's, you know, pressured sort of to, that we're just going to buy time. That's, that's the easiest thing to do is to buy time. So let's just stop the auto yes by having a couple of phrases that you can say like, oh, hey, I'll get back to you tomorrow. I need to check with my partner, my roommate, my whoever, you can always say, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'll let you know. And by the end of the week, I'm not sure I need to check my calendar. We can always, one thing I want to impart is that we can always express our preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers, right? Our boundaries with ease, with grace, with kindness, like that actually is possible. And the ease and grace part will come the more you do it, but we can always do it with kindness. And I think that there's a big fear that will be perceived as being mean if we don't go along to get along, especially if we have done that in the past. So I think most helpful, let's just stop the auto yes, buy time, I'll get back to you in this period of time, because it is so much easier to say no, if that's what the answer is going to be, when you haven't already said yes. So helpful. I think that, that that feels freeing already to me personally. Yeah. And the thing is, in the book, you have a whole chapter of scripts for every situation you could possibly find yourself in, from bumping into an ex in the frozen food section of a supermarket to anything, dealing with a, a narcissistic boss, like we, we, I've got it all. And again, there are things that you can make them your own. I think it's most important, though, when we want to master this art, right? It's like a language where you wouldn't expect to be fluent in a language that no one ever taught you. So there's nothing wrong with you if you don't know how to do this. It is teachable and it is learnable. But we need to start from the beginning and understand the internal experiences, which is basically your downloaded boundary blueprint, like what we learned growing up, the country, the culture, all of those things impacted the way that people are relating to boundaries right now. When you start to have a deeper self-understanding and more compassion for why it's hard for you, it is so much easier 
to do it when we're not being so critical, self-critical about why we can't do it. And then, so most of the, the scripts are later in the book, because by that point, you have a much more clear understanding of why you've been relating the way that you have personally, which is very unique to you, every single person. And then moving into, that's when the scripts are really helpful because there's been an internal shift, which makes it so much easier to do it. And now you do have the words that you can, of course, make your own. You know, it brings me to page 231. When we become clear within ourselves, you say, gives you a new perspective on other people and how they express their personal magic. As you get healthier, you may start to see others' behavior through your newly cleaned lens and be impressed by things that would have annoyed you when you were stuck in disordered boundary hell. This is a good example for what Terry is saying, my listener, and it'll help you understand the sort of direction that she takes with regards to scripts. For example, you say your kid's kindergarten teacher, quick to point out the parents aren't allowed inside the building after a certain time, might now strike you as clear and direct instead of bitchy. (laughs) (laughs) That's the exact, I needed to read that so badly because when we think things are a certain way coming out of someone's mouth, it's just because of our own disordered understanding. So that was really helpful to me. Yeah, like the people who you have a different respect for, you don't couch everything from the things that are causing you pain, because as your pain lessens, as you become more of a boundary boss, you you go, ah, respect. Thank you for that clarity. Right. And then you'll also have your own clarity. Uh, You mentioned later on on that page, bottom of 231, you talk about how, you know, all of us have somebody like this where they're like, yeah. I just want to do it this way. And finally, you can see that that's not like selfish, annoying behavior. It's just really good, clear boundaries. And if you have something that would be better, more suitable for you, you can just say, hey, I have this particular constraint and I would love to meet here instead of there. That would work better for me. Can that be okay this time? Right. We learn to actually negotiate for our needs rather than being offended that people can't read our minds. On page, last thing, 137, you talk about creating clean agreements. This was really helpful for me. And I just want to say to our listener, silent, I'm going to read from the book, silent agreements are the unspoken rules of engagement in your relationships. Making assumptions about others is what drives these silent agreements. To see where you might be making assumptions in order to avoid true talk Take a moment now to ponder the questions below. One, when you really want someone to do something for you, do you ever think that they should intuit, understand, or just know because it's obvious to you? That's a good one. Two, do you ever allow offensive comments to pass by telling yourself the other person really didn't mean anything by it? Three, Do you assume that if you make a big fuss over a pal's birthday, that when yours rolls around, they will do the same? (laughs) And four, finally, do you ever think, I shouldn't have to say that. That person should know by now. So if you have answered yes to any of these questions, you're making assumptions that might be preventing clear communication that might be preventing clear boundaries for you and or the other person. And 
it's some of the magic that you bring in this book, Boundary Boss, to help us just ask those questions. Yep. Because I see where it, it creeps in in my life, these assumptions. And that's why I dog-eared it and really creates long threads. I really want my our listeners to hear this. Long threads of discontent when we have those assumptions. All we have to do, if you answered yes to any of those questions, go back to those questions, 137 page, and ask the person. Like, find out what's the deal. Hey, this is something I'm thinking about. I mean, go to the scripts that Terry uses. She's a genius, of course. But it really will make a difference in the quality of your, our relationships to be able to just talk about this stuff rather than throw it under the rug. And also being proactive. So another thing with clean agreements is that when you own a business, when you are dealing with people, if you work in a corporate situation, knowing yourself and then being proactive, especially if you own a business, your onboarding practices, all of these things so that instead of waiting for it to go bad, we're sort of anticipating all the things like these are the hours we work. This is what's expected. If you live in a different time zone, we work on New York time. So if that doesn't work for you, then this job will not work for you. You know what I mean? So that you don't end up later being like, wait, why is this person working at four in the morning? You know? Very helpful. Like beyond helpful. All right. I would like to share with my listener where we can find you, your work, your courses, obviously your book I'll include in the notes below. Um, well, my website is terrycole.com. T-E-R-R-I. Yes, T-E-R-R-I-C-O-L-E. I hang out on Instagram probably more than other places. I'm just at Terry Cole. I have a gift for your listeners, um, which is about codependency and boundaries. Um, it'll give you just, it's like a little video, and I created a downloadable guide and questions that you can ask, and just, just a way to get more clarity about where you might be on this spectrum. So to get that, you just go to boundaryboss.me forward slash Elena because that's easy. And if you want to get the book, you can go to boundarybossbook.com because that's where all the that's where all the bonuses are and you can also buy it anywhere. And the bonuses include tell us about that a little bit. Oh, so many things. <laughs> I just kept adding. So it's, you know, you've got meditations, you've got I have a boundary quiz which is amazing. It's only 13 questions and that will help you figure out your boundary baseline. Um, I've got a whole bunch of other things with scripts that I'm teaching you. So there's like a lot. I just kept adding. I don't know. I couldn't stop. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I think there's a reason for that, which is that you, this is really your wheelhouse here. You know, I feel, I feel like this is some of the best truths I've heard in a while. Some of the most relevant things for my everyday movements. So I really appreciate it. And I think that's why you couldn't stop adding because it's just really true for you. Well, thank you, my friend. Yeah. This was so fun. Beautiful. Thank <laughs> you so much for coming and thank you for helping all of us. We appreciate you so much. Anytime.
Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.